0: You are listening a Red Fm original. Guts Glory. Gumption. The voice of Indian Sports with Rika Roy on the Red FM Podcast Network. Netra, thank you very very much for joining me on the podcast here calling Guts Glory. Gumption, it's about shining the light on the Olympic bound athletes uh, this year and also the next generation of uh, Indian sports really. And to start out many, many congratulations to you for becoming the first Indian sailor to qualify for the Summer Olympic Games. Nitra, tell me, how did you become the first sailor given that, you know, there were nine other Indians
1: who had taken part in the Olympic games previously? once well, thank you so much. Well, that is a matter of technicality. I think so far, and even now, there are spots given at the Olympic Games, uh, for when countries refuse their spots, and there are spots left over and uh, mm-hmm. the wildcard entries. And I believe those are the ones that have been taken so far by Indian sailors. But this year, for yeah. the five, Uh I happen to have done it the day before, and therefore, People are calling me the first. But four of us have done it this time by doing well at the event. I couldn't be more proud of us. But
0: Netra, um, at the event in Oman, you were the best Asian and second overall. Tell us that experience of, you know, being the best Asian sailor.
1: There are four other countries that were not present and those have already qualified to the Olympics. I was the best of those that hadn't already qualified. Obviously we came into the event knowing I was easily the favorite because none of these girls had beaten me before. I'm as good as the Asians some of the Asians that have already qualified, so it was kind of a kind of a do the job and come home, you know?
0: Anita, uh, you participate in a classification called laser radial. Could you give us an idea
1: of what it is? What is the event really like? So it is technically called the one-person women's dinghy. A dinghy mm-hmm. is a hull, like a boat. And uh, it's there are three types, one for kids called the 4.7, one for the women called the radial, and one for the men called the standard, which is what Vishnu Sarmanan has qualified in. The differences being just that the rig is bigger. So the, so the mast and sail get bigger as you go up and therefore the power you need and the strength you need as well. Yeah. It's a single handed boat. So, and it's one design. So it comes down to each sailor. It doesn't come down to equipment or anything like that. It's just what we do in the boat. And because we're slow, it comes down to a lot of one on one tactics and like fleet handling. Unlike some of the other boats. So, yeah, I I love it.
0: Netra, uh, you were 12 when you started sailing. And at 23, you were already qualified for the Games. Tell us what has been really the journey and uh, what is it that, you know, we've never heard of an Indian sailor doing so well. What is it that
1: took you to get to the world stage? It's been a long, long journey. To start, because I was a girl, I think, because there aren't many Indian sailors, uh, not many women Indian. course there aren't many sailors in India, because it's not a sport everyone knows. And then the women, if you look for women, it's even harder to find. So national medals and things came quite quickly to me. And then I qualified to the Asian Games in 2014. And I had to quit school. It was kind of, it kind of happened step by step. Then I went to the Asian Games. And our chief national coaches were usually hired by the 49er boys. They were the ones who had the most international exposure. And they were the ones that knew to do it. The first one sent me to Israel. I spent like a year and a half there. Training and doing events. And uh, when I didn't qualify for the Rio Olympics, I took a year off. It takes a lot of commitment. It takes a lot of sacrifice to leave your house and live in a foreign country, especially where everyone didn't, most people didn't speak English, so it was a bit difficult to stay for so long. But, um, and then I did it again in last year, but this time I went to Gran Canaria with the Sailing Academy, and it turned out well because. I focused on improving myself and it paid off in in a lot of ways. My nutrition, my mental training, everything, uh, my study, my fitness, and of course my sailing. They all improved for having spent this consistent time uh, working on them. It was difficult in the last couple of months being away from home. And it was—it kind of became a fight to the end, but it was worth it, obviously, because we did qualify.
0: It was really worth yeah. it because uh, you spent uh, improving on yourself when the country was under lockdown, right? That whole time when India was under lockdown, you were in Grand Canaria trying to improve
1: yourself to get this qualification. Well, not just to get the qualification. For me, it's more about improving and getting to be the best I can be. And this qualification, yes, it's a huge thing for the country. And I'm so proud to be a part of it. But uh, for me, it's more, I've been training with some of the world's best sailors. And the more I train, the better I can be. And so this is just one kind of milestone in that journey, you know. Letra, why did you find sailing uh, rewarding? I think right now with this past year, I think it's not the biggest thing for me has been the amount that I've grown. But if you ask me like a couple of years ago, it would be that's sailing itself, Which even now is true, but I find the growth way more rewarding now. But going on the water, being on the boat by yourself, and it's what you do in the boat that makes it go fast or makes it go slow. And if you tune out for a second, you could be completely hitting the brakes, you know. So it's just a feeling. It's an indescribable feeling going sailing. And I hope everyone gives it a try. Definitely worth it. I was reading an article about
0: you that said that growing up in Chennai, you had half a dozen extracurricular activities and sailing was one of them. And then you decided to stick to sailing. What is it that made you give up the others and
1: remain with sailing? First, it kind of just happened because sailing took more time than anything else. Uh, it was just more time to more financially and uh, the time itself that we spent. Like we spent every weekend at the sailing club when we started. Uh, it kind of just happened that I didn't have time to practice, put in the work for anything else, which... Uh, you know, it just kind of uh, was one of those things you kind of make decisions and it kind of just happens that way. And yes, I miss some of the things, but it was kind of worth it, you know, to be here now. It's I miss some things, of course, but I can always do them as a past time. Right. Deja, sailing is also an expensive sport.
0: So did you have support uh, to start out and uh, how did you manage your sport? Because... You know, if we talk about spreading the sport, more people trying, they would also like to know how they can manage their financials. I've been
1: very lucky with the help that I've gotten from my dad and then the Federation as we started to show results. But to, to start sailing, first you need to just pick up the phone and call the clubs. There are like 20 clubs around the country and anyone can go to any club and ask them, tell them you want to learn sailing and they're going to help you Uh, for the first month for sure you're going to have everything that you need at the club itself and then once you start, when you commit to it, then you can buy your own stuff. Yes, it's difficult but there are schemes to help depending on where you come from Um, there's all sorts of help there if you need it and ask for it.
0: Mm -hmm. And are there sponsors these days to support the sailing community?
1: Hopefully now more, Uh, not so much in the past uh, few years. There have been in the previous generation there was some support and now it's kind of hopefully with the qualifications we have more people coming up and helping. But no, there are some government schemes, there are some programs in place for people who need that kind of help. And obviously, the committee of the club are, at least they and say are very supportive and will do as much as they can to help.
0: Netra, for a very long time, you were a girl in a man's sport. For you, was the journey always to be the best man in your job? Or how was it like being in this man's world?
1: Honestly, I never really felt that. Like I said, there aren't many... Women in the sport is just kind of one of those things, but we compete with the men, so we sail all together. Now, not so much because as an Olympic uh, sport, that's not the case. Uh, my Olympic class is just a woman's class, and when I train, I train with women, girls from all over the world, and I've never felt that, yeah, there is a difference in the way the women train as well, and the... Uh, I'm lucky to be a part of it. I've never felt that gap so much. So I can't complain much.
0: Nitra, in 2017, the Yachting Association nominated you for the World Sailing's Emerging Nations Program, which had mentors and young sailors from emerging countries. What was it like to be in this program and what is this concept
1: of Emerging Nations in sailing? In sailing, it is countries that have not been to the Olympics, basically in sailing like ours, which countries that you don't see at the Olympics in the sailing uh, class because this time for gender equality, they improved, increased the number of spots for girls a lot and decreased the men's spots. So it became relatively much easier for our class, for more of us to qualify. So I got a lot of exposure there and it was fun. And to this day, they still keep in touch. So it's, it's great.
0: You are India's first World Cup medal winner in this sport. Has the World Cup medal changed the perception about this sport in India
1: and uh, got more women interested? Not as much as I would like, honestly, uh, that anyone would like, because I think hmm. India was recognized as the Asian Games and the Olympic Games. So hopefully now it changes. But things like the World up and worlds don't, uh, I don't think, bring as much recognition to the sport, which is sad, but, you know, it is what it is. So We try to do our best at the Games, and hopefully that helps as well.
0: Nitra, while your sailing career took off, uh, your studies took a back seat. But there was a time that you had to manage your studies and your sailing also. Could you talk us uh, through that aspect of your life as well? And now you're doing your engineering as well. When I... First,
1: in 2013, I did have to leave school because at that time we went to a school that we loved school. So it was a difficult choice, but we did. And, and because the school only allowed 10 days off per year and to go to the games and stuff, I needed like three months at least off, you know. So that was kind of in in some ways an easy choice because I did want to continue sailing and I knew I had a long way to go. And training in India wasn't an option, so I knew I needed more time to train abroad. So for a while, I didn't study. I tried to do it um, remotely, like just take the exams, you know. And I did that in 2016 when I had the break from sailing. But now, when I started university, I did one semester in person, and then I traveled again, and then everything went online. So it's been kind of a blessing in that way just to be able to do my studies from wherever I am. So that's how I've been doing it so far. It's difficult because there is a time difference and um, classes, for example, when I'm in Spain, start at four in the morning. and That's a bit difficult to train. They don't have sleep. So I try to do what I can do, you know, and college is very supportive and gives me the time off that I need.
0: So you are doing it from an Indian university, which is why yeah, the time are,
1: um, Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. And everything, um, and so you're doing your mechanical engineering online. That's what it is. This year, yes. Okay. And um,
1: your brother is also in the same class with you, isn't it? And do you get any uh, help from him he, in terms has, of studies? Studying in, um, in Michigan, in America. It just so happens with uh, the four years that I've had off, he's kind of caught up with me because he's four years younger than me. And um, But he's in Michigan studying computer science and he's happy he's doing what he's doing. Uh, hopefully, because it's American education, I will graduate a couple of months before him. But now with the Olympics, I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, talk a little bit about your time in Spain. Um, what did you exactly
1: do in terms of your training? Uh, it was a group of girls. It always is. There's a lot of girls that come in and out. But there are some of us that are there full time, including me. We kind of have a routine of training twice, like doing a warm up for an hour and then sailing for two, three hours and then doing a fitness session in the afternoon after a debrief about the sailing. That was kind of our routine. We, depending on the season that we were in, whether we could race or not, we would work on either long speed and just kind of getting really working on that focus and learning to really find the speed between the waves and the wind and the current or whatever the day brings. And then if we came closer to racing, we would work on starts, uh, maneuvers around the course, this kind of thing, you know. And uh, somewhere along, I also read that on weekdays, you were
0: lifting 100 kilogram weights and on weekends, you were cycling 100 kilometers stretch.
1: Ah, Okay, that is it's training, you know, so we cannot push 100% all the time because we're trying to push to the limits. But when you're doing it long term, if you're do, if you pushing 100 kilos every day, you're going to burn out in a week. So you have to balance it out. When you lift your max weight, yes, of course, but you don't do it as often as you would think. And doing, in Gran Canaria, it's a lot of climbing, so we don't do the long distances. Uh, Now that I'm in Chennai, because it's all flat, it's flat as a pancake, so here we're doing more kilometers. But uh, yeah, it's kind of you always need to find that balance of how hard to push, when to push, this kind of thing.
0: Hitra, are there any events that you're going to take part in uh, ahead of the Olympic Games that will enable you to assess the field that in which you will be participating?
1: There is the issue of most events have been cancelled and postponed or whatever because of COVID. So, it's a bit difficult to find events. There is only one official event before the Games, the first week of June in Maddenblik in the Netherlands and um, hopefully we can go to that and see how we are doing. Tell me,
0: how did Go Sports Foundation help you in uh, your training and preparation for the Games?
1: They have amazing programs to have different kinds of athletes. Um, I think I was put into a program called The Stars of Tomorrow, and it was uh, by Dream Sports Foundation and FIFS, and they kind of looked, spoke to me a lot, tried to find out what I really needed, what I was missing in Gran area, because I do have a good team around me in Gran area with a fitness coach and all this, and a sailing coach. So we figured out together that what I, could really used was a mental coach and help with nutrition which is what they primarily help me with. and they've been helping me with that for a year and a half almost two years now
0: Nitra in Tokyo there are 10 sailing events and the top 10 qualify for the medals race where do you see yourself uh, in Tokyo
1: For me, right now, I know the level that the the senior girls are, and I am not there yet. It's just a reality, and obviously, I train to get there, and hopefully, by Paris, I will be there. This time, if I make the medal race, I think that will be an excellent performance from me. And if I do it, I will be very, very content with the way that I perform, because it is a, a big step up for me. The goal is to just go to the Olympics and do my best and see what that can bring because a lot of sailors there are fighting for the medals. There's a lot of stress involved and I don't have that because I don't have those expectations on me and that's how I'm going to approach it. So yeah, we'll see what happens.
0: Right, so maybe this is the Olympic Games that you will use to springboard to Paris and uh, realistically, yeah. it's in Paris that we can expect a medal from you. But Etra, just having qualified for the Games, it, you have really given the game sailing community a lot to cheer and a new dimension to your sport. Clearly, you are the flavor of the month. Netra Kumanen, and thank you very much for joining me on the podcast, Guts Glory, kamshin Thank you. You are listening a Red FM original. Guts, glory, gumption. The voice of Indian sports with Rika Roy on the Red FM podcast network.